and welcome to the trainingbusiness.com podcast. Every week, we bring you exciting news and interviews with training business experts and training business entrepreneurs from around the world. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. Here's your host, Mark Garrett Hayes. Sam, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Mark. Thanks for having me. Hi, everybody. The reason I have you on the show is because I came across your books on your LinkedIn profile. I was intrigued. I love the titles. And two of them, obviously, because they're the ones on your LinkedIn cover, are Get It Done and specifically Start Right Where You Are. Let's begin with your background. You have been doing this for years. You're a keynote speaker, a best-selling author. You're also someone who pursues her own clients. So in a way, you're, you're like me in the sense that you're a speaker, a trainer, an author. And I'd like to think of myself as a mentor to some people. And that's true for people listening. People who are conscious of a skill set they have, they want to, let's say, go to the next level of their career, perhaps become subject matter experts, write a book, just share their expertise with the world and make money from doing it and have fun doing it. Let's talk about your background. First of all, where did you begin? I'd love to know that. So I started out as an actor. I, that was my whole life. I was one of those kids who did all the plays in school. I went to theater camp. I went to theater camp. Um, I, I studied theater in, <laughs> Not in band college. Camp. Theater camp. Yeah, it's like band <laughs> camp, but in some ways even nerdier. Um, and uh, and ended up uh, uh, dropping out of Northwestern University to take a job at the Second City Theater, which is a very prominent um, improvisational comedy theater in Chicago. And I had one of those careers in both Chicago and then later when I moved to Los Angeles that was like good, you know, it was going well enough that you didn't want to give up on it, but not so well as to be able to support a person. So while I had a million different jobs and gigs and projects and shows and auditions, and I was always running around, I also had a lot of part-time jobs and full-time jobs and half-time jobs and under the table jobs. And I delivered flowers and I produced radio dramas and I was an executive assistant wow. to the cable channel. And I, I was a barista. Like I did everything. I did everything just to make ends meet. And um, it was creatively very, very satisfying. There was a period in LA where I did over a hundred productions in seven years. So I was working all the time. Um, and it was, like I said, creatively very satisfying, financially disastrous. <laughs> and along the way, I just got very interested in this question of how do creative people make decisions? Okay. You know, when there's no quarterly review on how your novel is going, when there's nobody who cares if you book that audition or not, or do your one person show or not, or have a voiceover reel or not, or yeah. paint or write or draw or dance or spend more time with your kids. Even, you know, the, all this, all the work that goes unrewarded mm -hmm. in the world, how do you move forward on those things? How do you make time for those things? Um, and so I started teaching a class called get it done in a church basement in Van Nuys, California to like 11 people. I might've charged them $75 and felt really, really shy about it. <laughs> so your and first then, foray into training was helping people to be organized, to get things done. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Cause it, it's not so much like, Oh, I've got some incredible system and everybody should just follow my 10 point plan. Um, because frankly, when you're working, especially with creative people, I can give you a 10 point plan and you will turn it over and start doodling on the back of it. So <laughs> It doesn't really matter how I do things, but what I have are some incredible methods for you to figure out what your incredible method is. 
What okay. is your way of getting things done? Okay. So people listening to this, like you and I at some point, have a skill set or we've got some knowledge. We want to share this with the world, but do it in a way that's systematic, productized, but also profitable. What did you learn by taking your ideas on getting things done and your content, all your the lesson, the knowledge you'd accrued and transforming this into something that people bought, consumed, and wanted more of? The big thing for me was just proof of concept. I mean, I was pretty sure it would work inside of my mind, but it was great to see people do it. And it was beautiful to be doing it live in a room because I could see their faces. They could ask me questions. They would come back every week and report their progress and success. I got my best teaching stories from there. Um, I learned what didn't work. I had a few things I was like, oh, this is going to be great. And Oh, (laughs) Um, I could, um, I learned my own teaching rhythm, like when to, when I was over explaining, when I was under explaining. So if anybody's interested in this kind of work, I would absolutely get started. Just have five people in your living room, Mm -hmm. some Saturday afternoon, just do a little three hour something, you know, charge them a hundred bucks or whatever you want. And just start experimenting with the ideas because what, you th- the, the the enclosed chamber of your mind is not giving you enough information. You need to get it out into the world and see people and how they react to your work. So it sounds like you're suggesting that people don't worry about perfection. Start now, get perfect later, to, to quote the title of a book. Um, but more importantly, use what you have or start where you are, which is the book you wrote on the subject. Exactly. So don't worry about having a business name or a logo or what your mission statement is. Just get to the work that matters to you and see if it matters to anybody else. That's a great tip. And a a way to do this is in a low-risk environment, like you said, someone's front room, or I've even done something like hiring a, a small chamber of commerce room. We can do things in small ways just to get started, get that feedback back. And I like what you said as well about the the people in the room, whether you are over-delivering or under-explaining, over-explaining, all of that feedback comes to you from a live audience, right? Not, not from a finished product. Exactly. And I really, and if it's possible for you to start again in a live room with people, I would highly recommend it. Teaching online is fantastic. It allows us to reach a, a global audience, mm. but it is significantly more challenging. It has some very different challenges than teaching in a room. We're very good with people in a room. Like, you know, you can make a joke and it falls flat and you can sort of cover it up, you know, like (laughs) fix it in the room. When you're online, you can't control what people's environments are. You can't see their whole bodies. You can't see them shift around or make little looks at each other. Like who does she think she is? You know, (laughs) you're missing a lot of, of clues. So if you can do it live, I would, I would. And One of the things that you've talked about, at least in your LinkedIn profile, is setting worthy goals and sticking with them, Um, overcoming procrastination, perfectionism, and self-doubt. That really resonates with me because invariably we see people on LinkedIn or on YouTube and we think that person looks so polished. They've got this program, it's designed, it's priced, they have an audience for it. But none of us begin there, right? We all begin with these creaking, groaning uh, presentations that don't work, they're incomplete, they're not as good as you'd like them to be, but we hold ourselves back. And then you've written on the subject, start right where you are. I love that title. Um, what, what do people need to do mentally to overcome this perfectionism, procrastination, and self-doubt? Uh, 
like it hurts my heart to even hear you say these words because I see it all the time. And I think one of the main problems is exactly what you just said, which is this sort of assumption that we make. We see somebody who's written a book or they have a podcast or they're doing a show or they're speaking and we think, oh, well, they must have so much more confidence than I have or they must have so much more training than I have, or they must have so much more experience than I have, or they must not live with some of the things I live with. And I'm here to tell you, nah, none of us do. None of us have, I I live with excruciating self-doubt. I live with depression and anxiety and chronic health issues. And my family is just as crazy as yours is. (laughs) (laughs) Believe me. Join the line. (laughs) Right? There's no, you know, and and everyone, and I work with Academy Award winners and and award-winning writers and Emmy Award winners. They all suffer from this kind of perfectionism and self-doubt. The only difference is that they don't let it stop them. Right. So I know, and this again comes from my acting background. When you get that feeling, that pit of your stomach feeling, that's like, oh no, oh no, this is going to be terrible. I shouldn't do this. I'm afraid. I'm racked with self-doubt. I can't possibly. That feeling is very akin to stage fright, right? It's fear of scrutiny. It's fear of what other people are going to think of us. It's fear that we're going to fail, fail publicly, fail ugly publicly, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Big belly flop fail. Of, yeah. You know, of course you're afraid of that. Of course you're afraid of that. You wouldn't be a person if you weren't afraid of that. But to understand that the feeling you have in your belly, that fear, that anxiety is not a sign to not do it. Stage fright is not a sign that you shouldn't go on stage. Stage fright is the sign that you are about to go on stage. I like that. Right. And the confidence that you want comes after the doing of it. The confidence comes after. Of course, you don't have the confidence before. How could you possibly have the confidence ahead of time? You've never done it before, right? So stop waiting to feel confident. Just just do it. Just, and again, even in the tiniest, smallest micro movement possible, try something do a little Facebook post even, you know, do a little couple of sentences of something that you've noticed or something you've observed or something you wish other people would do and see how it lands. You know, do again, try kind of low risk, but start, start today, start where you are. Start where you are. In terms of your own experience, then going from, I won't say zero to hero, that's often a phrase we hear. You, You must've begun somewhere. Did you go with public speaking or and then product development, or what was your exact, let's say, straight line or, or series of events? Uh, and I'll tell you why I'm asking this is because yeah. I began with in in classroom stuff doing at Disney. I actually began as a my first train the trainer was at Disney, mm-hmm. and then I learned from feedback, and then I thought about doing stuff in terms of keynotes and and, spe- and speeches and things like that. And then my audience grew. It, it sounds like you began with improv, and it's interesting because quite a few people have said to me that it's a skill set a lot of trainers could benefit from acquiring, which is improv- improvisational comedy, the ability to think on your feet, stand on your feet, and and uh, in real time respond to what the audience um, needs, rather than going in with a set prescribed series of slides and just talk at them. Hundred percent. If you are, if you want a first step, go find an improv class near where you live. It is first of all, it's hugely fun. People involved in improv are incredibly nice, um, fun, smart people. It's games. It'll release your sense of play. Um, successful improv is about making your partner look good, and that's another great way to start. Quit thinking about you. 
and start thinking about your audience. How can you make them feel good? How can you make them feel better? How can you improve their lives? Right? Um, it's about making bold choices and saying yes to things. So I'm a big, I mean, obviously I made my living as a professional improviser, so I'm a I'm a big fan, but um, and and there's nothing like accumulating a lot of stage time because by the time I started doing keynotes in front of thousands of people, you know, I'd been doing this my whole life. There was almost nothing that could happen to me on stage that was gonna throw me off my game, you know, like it was it was home, it was more home to me than home in some ways. Um, but I started, like I said, I just started teaching the class um to to people in a small room. Um and I would do it once or twice a year. It wasn't the focus of my life or anything. And then finally I had a friend who was like, wait, you have this class that you love teaching and people always sign up for it and you make money and it's great. Why aren't you doing this all the time? And I was like, that's such an interesting question. Why aren't I doing this all the time? Um, so, and then I had this moment in my life in 2009 where a job I had been working on ended um, I thought a thing I thought I was going to do fell through, and I was like, "Oh, great! Now I got to get another day gig. This is miserable." And then I just thought, "Wow, I wonder if I could do this full time." And then I thought, "I guess I should order business cards." Like I knew nothing. I knew nothing about entrepreneurship. I knew nothing about marketing. I knew nothing about running a business. Um, but I made it my business to learn really fast. <laughs> I read every book. I took every webinar. I went to every conference, took a million notes. And um, and it turns out it's not that hard and it's a lot of fun, you know? And you won't have all the answers and you won't have everything you need right now and things will change. Um, and you've written, in the meantime, a couple of books. You have a lot of followers, we'll say. You have a huge email list. That's something that's achievable, but people need to start right where they are right now. What do you think then is the minimum that people need to start to become someone who is associated with a particular methodology or expertise or framework or some kind of training program? What do you think? If you were doing this all over again from scratch? Yeah, I think the number one thing, and this is this may sound a little unusual, is the willingness to talk about it to okay. other people. The willingness to talk about what you would do. I remember going to parties and promising myself, okay, I'm going to talk about my business. I'm going to talk about my business. I'm going to talk about what I do. And people would say, what did you do? What do you do? And I would talk about my friend's business. <laughs> <laughs> I'd talk about, you know, something, somebody else I knew that was doing, some friend of mine that was doing something interesting. Um, it just made me incredibly shy. And I think it, that's true of a lot of people. Um, but again, it's your best way of test marketing is when you start talking to people about what you do. You know, So I say something like, well, you know, people say, so Sam, what do you do? It's very common, especially in the US. It's the first thing they say, what do you do? And I'd say, well, um, I help creative people get unstuck. And oftentimes their eyebrows would do this. Oh, now when people's eyebrows do this, that's a good sign. It means you're on the right track. Okay. Even that's arch they, of people who can't see you right now. When people's yes. eyebrows arch, they go, it's like a surprise. Right. When they go, really? Up, tell me surprise. more. Oh, mm. tell me more. Mm. Um, if they're going down in that creased, uh, angry brow way, it means I don't understand what you're saying. Right. So you need to be clearer in what you're saying. So then I might say, cause you know how it is, how you get everything done for everybody else all day. But the thing that, you know, would really make a difference in your life still stays in a drawer. And they would go, oh, and their eyebrows would go up even more. Oh, right. Now, I have not said anything about what my modality is. You know, oh, I have books or I have courses. Nope. I have not said anything about my qualifications or who I am. Um, I have merely identified 
a problem that they recognize as a problem. And that's how I would start. And, you know, if somebody, if I was in a different business and somebody said, what did you, what do you do? And I'd say, oh, you know how every time you go out for sushi, you are inevitably wearing a white silk blouse and you always get soy sauce on it. And they would go, oh my gosh, yes. I'd say, that's what I do. I'm a dry cleaner. I, I get stains out of silk. Oh, interesting. Right. Name the problem you solve first. Agreed. And frame it up in a way that's recognizable, right? So not I incentivize impactful, blah, blah, blah. Like don't stop, drop all the jargon. Nobody knows what that means. You know, state your problem in simple, recognizable terms. Right. So it's the problem which hopefully is recognized as a problem. And it sounds like you're testing it by using it conversationally. You know, when you blank, you know, right. when you do the, so it's a nice way of segueing into what you actually do. Exactly. Um, so that's so when people say, oh, you need an elevator speech, that's what you need is to be able to state the problem that you solve in a way that makes people go, oh. And then they will either say, that's nice and move on, in which case they're not interested. Don't talk to them anymore. <laughs> or they'll say, wow, tell me more about that. And then you can say, well, I've got a course starting at the, you know, in April, blah, 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 blah. You know. Right. And if people haven't got a course, they could, I guess, ask deeper questions. And find out what that person recognizes to be a problem and why it's worth solving. Maybe, yeah, definitely. Okay, what else do you think people need? Let's say we've got that um, elevator pitch down pat. We're, we're testing this conversationally in different environments. We're overcoming that fear of uh, making a fool of ourselves. We all have that. We've all made fools of ourselves, but we're we're testing that uh, premise that people need what we do. What else do we need to then produce something tangible which we can charge for? What do you think? Yeah. So at the risk of sounding a little self-serving, Mark, to both you and I, get a teacher, get a mentor, mm -hmm. get somebody that you love and respect who has done what it is you want to do. Make sure they have a business model that you would like your business to look like that. Right? So- I do, anyway, for sure. Yeah. Right? So yeah, I've hired, I've spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on coaches over the years and I wouldn't, and I'd pay double. I mean, it was worth every dime, even the ones who weren't that great still taught me a ton and you need it. I mean, again, in a, in a work environment, in an academic environment, there's people checking in on you. There's people, you know, you can sort of see how you're doing compared to the rest of the group. When you're an entrepreneur, when you're going it alone, it is a long, lonely slog through the desert. <laughs> With no and you're often making signs. mistakes you don't need to make because someone else has made them and they could save you from making those mistakes. Exactly. And just somebody to be accountable to, somebody to help you say, oh, no, you don't, don't worry about that. Worry about this. It's time to raise your rates. It's time to double your rates. It's time to triple your rates. Like, and, and, be in, and if you can, be in a community. It's really helpful to be in a community of other people who are, again, up to the same thing that you're up to. Not necessarily exactly, but you know, on sort of the same journey. Um, and who can support you because, and this is so important, your family and friends are not your ideal clients. Your family and friends may not know how to support you on this journey. Don't go to the empty cookie jar. Right? Not everybody knows how to be happy for you when you have your first hundred thousand dollar weekend. Not everybody uh, well, knows. I'm I'm I've, I'm far from that right now, to be honest. But uh, <laughs> that'd right? be nice. Hundred thousand weekend, yeah. It's not that hard. <laughs> it's you know. Um, we need to it's talk. Not any harder than <laughs> than anything else, really. <laughs> this is my really bad point. Yeah. Uh, you know, or even have your first thousand dollar weekend or your first hundred dollar weekend. Yeah. You know, not everybody knows how to celebrate you. 
with that. So you want to be in a community of people who do know how to celebrate you, who know how to, you know, give you a hug and say, oh, baby, oh, when things go terribly, terribly, terribly wrong, which they absolutely will. <laughs> right. Um, so get in, I guess that's what I say, get a, get a teacher, mentor, somebody, and get in a, get in a community of people who are smarter than you play tennis with better tennis players. Right. Right. And, and all of us more than likely, let's say you're listening to this thinking of um, becoming some kind of management or corporate trainer. There are more than likely people on LinkedIn whose feed you can follow and perhaps try to emulate their style. But even one thing, perhaps writing for a while, maybe recording videos is your thing, um, perhaps keynotes. I think a, a mistake people often make is trying to do all of these things in parallel and trying to have a YouTube channel and a podcast and write a book and do keynotes and run some kind of community. Right. So more than likely you didn't do that, all of these things in tandem because you've developed this over years of trying this, of learning Correct. what works. Right. Yeah. I started with email and for, I mean, almost the first 10 years, that's almost all I did was email. And I love email. It's this is email marketing. Is it email so? marketing. Right. Okay. So this is building a list um, and then communicating with that list in a, in a heartfelt, meaningful way. Um, I send poems. If you guys sign up at, for, at therealsambennett.com, you'll see the initial um, email sequence. You get recipes, you get poems, you get little inspirational bits and pieces of things. Um, it's not meant to look, you know, and I, so I built a mid six figure business out of poetry people. I mean, there's really, <clears throat> pardon me. There's, there's no wrong way to do it. Yeah. Right. And I did it with email because I like writing. And I like reading. And most of my audience likes writing and likes reading. So it was a good match for us. So pick the means of marketing that you would do anyway. Right. You know, I was, I was writing little inspirational things and little poems just anyway. Um, you know, if you love to talk, then yes, start a podcast. If you love to, um, you know, be with people, then have live events. If you love to, um, you know, draw, make, 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 hand-drawn videos you know there's there's no shortage of ways um but start with something that's it isn't it start with something and start with something you like to do something you love because then it'll be fun for you so start where you are start with what you have start where you are start right where you are i think that's a great tip it will take time to build this list you've you've sold thousands of copies of your books you have a huge following now but you've been doing this for years so Everyone at some point will feel disheartened, particularly if we compare ourselves to others. They often say that comparison is the thief of joy. Uh, that's a nice tip. Correct. Um, yeah, correct. But if if comedy, improv, speaking, something is the thing that you go to naturally, or you write naturally, as you've said, Sam, then that's the thing to begin with. Start right where you are. Where can people find out more about you? I think there are two great book titles, and I know which one I'm going to pick. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and I just want to just to jump in though. I, the I did start with nothing, knowing nothing, knowing nobody. Um, but yeah. the first year I was in business, I won a sort of significant marketing award for my email marketing. It turned out that I was kind of an email marketing savant. Who knew? Oh, right. Who knew? So you too may have skills and talents that you don't think that much about that everybody else is going to get really excited about. So it doesn't have to take a long time. It can be quite quick. Um, so, but yes, the two books are uh, Get It Done, From Procrastination to Creative Genius in 15 Minutes a Day. And that one got endorsed by Seth Godin, which I was like, 
hair toss, oh. hair toss. Oh my God. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> he of purple cows and uh linchpin. Great book. Tribes. And yes, he's yeah. brilliant. Yeah. I'm so not, it makes me flush to just to think about it. I'm so not over it. <laughs> um, and the other book is called start right where you are, how little changes can make a big difference for overwhelmed procrastinators, frustrated overachievers and recovering perfectionists. And then your website, therealsambennett.com. Right. And all those books are available on Audible and Kindle and hard copy, however you want to get them. Great. Excellent. Sam, thank you so much. Uh, Lovely talking to you. I can see why you've got an improv background. It's coming across loud and clear. Um, Thank you for being my guest on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, everybody. once more for listening to this episode of the trainingbusiness.com podcast. See you next time.